there's this incredibly important moment in Scripture right between when, when Jesus is baptized in the Jordan and, and when he calls his first disciples and when uh, he begins his ministry and then when he, he gives us the Sermon on the Mount. This incredibly important uh, part of, of Scripture that Matthew writes about where we read in, in Matthew, starting Matthew chapter 4, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Who led Jesus to the wilderness? The Spirit. I want you to hang on to that as we talk for the next couple minutes. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And it's also written on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus responded to him. Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you. All of this I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, as we open up your scripture, we just ask that you would be with us as we begin the season as we talk about wilderness a little bit tonight and then talk about the journey into the wilderness that takes place over the, the next seven weeks or so, God, we ask that you would be with us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I do want you to, to think seriously about these questions I'm about to ask. How many of you have thought, don't raise your hands again, how many of you have thought, oh, you know, it's Girl Scout season, Girl Scout cookie season. If I, if I just, if I just finish this sleeve, nobody's going to be harmed. No, no, nobody's going to be harmed. I, I, I can just finish this, this whole sleeve myself. So maybe you've thought that. Maybe the, I know, I know it's getting late tonight, but this show, I, you know, I'm, I'm binge watching it on Netflix. I need to watch it over and over and over again. I, I can just do one more. I know I have to be up early to go to school tomorrow or to go to work, but just, just, just one more. Maybe, maybe you've thought that. Or, or, or maybe, maybe it's, I know I'm running late. I, I know I'm running late and yeah, I know I should drive the speed limit, but I got to get to church on time. 
I got, I got to get to church on time. So, um, again, don't raise your hands, but I'm guessing some of you have had those, those thoughts. And in a, a moment of confession, I had them all today. I had I had all all of those those thoughts today. The, the reality is temptation. This this idea uh, of being tempted is a part of being human. None of us can avoid it. None of us can avoid it. From from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel down through the history of humankind. My kids are seven, four, and two. Many of you know them, and they already put themselves through the mental gymnastics to to try to kind of they know what's right. They know what they should do. But then they kind of start thinking, well, maybe so Piper, my youngest, she's two. Um, she'll sit at the, at the top of the landing uh, above our stairs and, and, and she'll sit there and there's a gap between where the, the, the railing ends and the floor is. And she'll sit there with all of her stuffed animals. And she knows she's not supposed to push them down. She, and so you we'll sit there and we'll say, Piper, uh-uh, don't, don't do it. And then she'll give you the look. Say it again, and the look comes again. You can see it. You can physically see it in two-year-olds. It's awesome. You can physically see them say, ah, and then she'll push them all down the stairs, and we'll have, have that, that lovely conversation. None of us can avoid this, this concept of, of temptation, and the reality is not even Jesus could. Jesus was tempted. We, we, just, we just read that. But we can choose how we respond to it. So in the passage that we read, Jesus' first temptation, it, it comes in a moment of, of, of physical weakness. It's, it's, it's a little more dramatic than the sleeve of Girl Scout cookies. It's a lot more dramatic than the sleeve of Girl Scout cookies. Uh, he'd been fasting, and the tempter know, knows and says, Hey, you haven't eaten in a long time, have you? you you've got to be hungry. See those stones? Turn them, turn them into bread. Turn them into bread. Are you all familiar with the, the term hangry? You turn, turn with, uh, you know, he's, we, I can see you're getting hangry. Turn those stones in, in, into bread. He's told if you're really the son of God, you, you can do it. Prove it. Show me. Show me. Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan River. And remember what happens when Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. He, he comes out and he hears God's voice. And God says, you are my son whom I love with whom I am well pleased. And so here comes the tempter, and the tempter says, prove it. Prove it. Prove it. The temptation is right at the heart of Jesus' identity. If that's who you say that you are, prove it. Prove it. Now, my guess is none of us is going to be asked to turn stones into bread, Um, but, but there are all kinds of temptations that we face around our own identities today. We're constantly told that we're not enough, that we don't earn enough, that we don't have the right friends, that we're not going to get into the right colleges, that we don't look good enough, whatever, we don't have enough followers on social media, whatever it is. And then those questions of identity arise, the the tempter kind of sneaks in and, and, and waters them. And these seeds of doubt begin to grow in us. And we start thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I, I don't fill in the blanks with enough. And, and at the heart of them, it's all about identity. Or maybe we hear something like, how can you consider yourself a Christian? 
How, how can you consider yourself to be a Christian? Do, do you know what you, you did yesterday? Again, it's another enough question. Jesus responds to the temptation by quoting Deuteronomy. He says, man can't live by bread alone, but on the very word of God. And now, while Jesus is in the wilderness himself, he points back to a time of his ancestors of when they were in the wilderness, quoting Deuteronomy, and says, look, my, my, my ancestors found strength when they were in the wilderness. Man can't live by bread alone. And he finds the strength to endure. The second temptation hits Jesus in a place where he is strong in his faith. It's a temptation that's, that's full of holy things. It's a temptation full of holy things. He's taken to the holy city, placed on top of the holy temple, and has read holy scripture. The, the devil aims to take what Jesus just used, scripture, and, and twist it and use it uh, against him. One of the, the funnier lines that I, I read about uh, this, this whole ordeal here in this passage is that the first temptation smells like a bakery, and the second stinks of orthodox liturgy. The first stinks of a bakery and the, the st- second stinks of, of, of orthodoxy. When, when I was 23, I was, I was serving a, a church as a, a youth director. It was my, my first church out of college, the first um, job that I had out of college. And uh, my, my, my boss at the time, the head pastor at the time, uh, was only in the office three days a week. So I got all the phone calls that you don't want to get on, on Friday after everybody's gone home. Um, and so I, I got this phone call, and it was a man who was, was uh, sounded just incredibly disturbed. And, and he asked if, if he and I could meet in a public place to talk through something he was struggling with. And I said, public place, Fashion Valley Mall, sure. I'll, I'll, meet, you, I'll meet you in the mall, and we'll, we'll chat. Uh, about an, after an hour or so of hearing a depressing story about, about abuse that he had suffered within the church um, and, and with a, a pastor, he started asking these questions to me about how my church used money and then about how I used money. And then he started throwing all these scripture passages at me. And we started kind of going back and forth with, with, with scripture, uh, and I felt really, really unsettled. Now, it, it wasn't obvious to me at the time, but but the man was was a con artist. The man was definitely a con artist. I went and read that he had done this to a whole bunch of young pastors uh, at different times. But the man knew the Bible backwards and forwards. Every time I brought up a scripture passage, he had a response. Every single time. Now, I don't use the, the phrase spiritual warfare lightly or or often, but I've never again experienced what I I experienced that Friday afternoon in those three or four hours, that that feeling of of just brokenness and attack and and hurt. I drove away feeling exhausted and and beat up. I I literally I went home and I, I cried. I was I was in this what in the world just just happened because the scriptures that I held dear were being used and thrown at, at me. Sometimes we're more vulnerable in areas where we think that we are strong, where we think that we are strong than in the areas where we know that we're weak. And so the devil says, great, Jesus, you, you know, scripture, you just quoted it. Prove to me that you really believe in it and act on it. Do, do, do something with it. And Jesus responds with scripture again. 
This time quoting Deuteronomy 6, don't put the Lord your God to the test. So in the wilderness, Jesus reminds us that faith isn't about how far we can push God to answer our wishes. It's about how open we are to allowing God to use us for God's purpose. The last temptation attacks Jesus' very, very existence. It's his identity again. The conversation, uh, it, it begins kind of in the valleys. And then where does it move from the valleys? Uh, up to the, the top of the temple. And, and then and then from there, it, it goes to progressively higher places. To, so where Jesus can see the entire holy city, can see everything. And, and, and this time, the tempter says, I'll give it all to you. You can have You can have all of this. Just worship me for this one fleeting second. Just one second, one moment, and you can have it all. The temptation is for Jesus to compromise his calling for the sake of an end goal. Now, in our lives, in our work, we, we, we can fall into the similar trap. It might not exactly look the same way, um, but it, it's kind of this subtle, subtle, very dangerous temptation. We can be preoccupied preoccupied with where we want to get without recognizing we have to take a journey to get there. And if we try to shortcut what God is doing for our own benefit, Scripture shows us over and over again that it just doesn't work out. Think of how this looks today. A student in a classroom, a senior in high school, just wants to get things done. Just wants to, to get, just wants, so goes online, got a, got a history assignment, goes online, Googles something, Eh, teacher won't know, I'll turn it in. Because he just wants to get to that, that end road. A businessman cares about the bottom line, so, so he, he cheats his customers just to reach his numbers for the third quarter. I mean, these are the, the sorts of shortcuts that, that, that kind of subtly slide in to our everyday lives. And Jesus responds by being faithful to God, but also faithful to his calling, to following the difficult path that inevitably led Jesus to the cross. So the response to this third temptation is to remember who God created you to be, to remember your identity even when the journey gets gets difficult. So Jesus is, is tempted in the wilderness, but he's led there by the Spirit, as we said, and while there he finds the strength to respond to the temptation to continue in his ministry. So tonight, we're, we're beginning this, this journey into Lent. And, and what I want to invite us to do is, yes, it's Ash Wednesday, but I want to invite us as a, as a community to think of this concept of wilderness for the next seven weeks. Um, the, same, the same word that's used for, for wilderness, where Jesus is led by the Spirit to be tempted, is the same place he goes to pray. It's the same, same word. He's, he's always led into the wilderness. And the concept of Lent, whether it's physically or, or, or just taking up a, a, a spiritual discipline or fasting or something like that, is, is, is saying, hey, we, we too need to be intentional with being led into the wilderness, to, to spend some time that's separate from the rest of, of the, the, the schedule, so the rest of the year, and say, you know what, this, this is a season. This is a season where I'm going to spend some time in, in the wilderness um, so in the back on, on the music stand that's back there, there's some book, some bookmarks. And, and what I want to invite you to do is take one home. Uh, there's seven different scripture passages on those bookmarks. 
And for one week, seven weeks of Lent, spend some time, 15 minutes. It's not asking a whole lot. 15 minutes reading about the wilderness. Reading through what what wilderness looks like. There's some some prayer instructions there too. Um, so I invite you I invite you to to step into the wilderness. Uh, we we find strength in the wilderness. We find strength to endure in times of weakness. We find faith to be used by God in the wilderness. And really, it's it's in those times that we find our identity as well. Let's pray. Holy God, as we enter the the sacredness, the holiness of of Lent, remind us that you journey with us into the wilderness. Call us to repentance, assure us of your love, and, and guide us in your grace. May we live with the confidence that we are yours, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Make us whole. Amen.